So Brian just asked me to introduce our next speaker for today, and her name is Anne Park, and uh, she is speaking on behalf of Jacob's Well, uh, which is a Christian community in the downtown east side as part of a sermon series for this month, which is um, on earth as it is in heaven. So what I know of Anne Park, um, I never uh, crossed paths with her uh, working together, but um, she started at Jacob's Well this uh, January, and she is born in Montreal, no, in Korea. So she is Korean and lived most of her life in Montreal and has come to Vancouver to study at Regent. So she is currently on her second year um, doing an MA in theology. So the last place that she uh, lived in, in uh, Washington, Skagit, um, she actually was involved in a prison ministry there. And so now she is in Vancouver, and she has been part of the Jacobs Well community for um, about 10 months now. And so I'm very interested in how um, she is uh, going to present uh, Jacobs Well and just how to carry the vision of uh, Pauline. I was just chatting with her um, how she, Pauline started the community and how different people has carried that vision um, around. And um, so I just want to invite Anne to come. It is her first time speaking in a pulpit setting, so give her lots of grace. Good morning. Um, yeah, I'm very nervous. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, and giving me this platform to share with you about the work that we do at Jacob's Well. Um, I feel humbled and um, quite inadequate to stand here today, since, as Yolanda mentioned, I've only um, been with Jacob's Well since January and in Vancouver for just over a year now. And um, I'm also at the tail end of a cold, so um, please forgive me for, um, for my voice. Um, so Yolanda already gave like a brief uh, summary of my of uh, my bio, but I'll just also share a little bit about myself before I um, launch in um, and how I got also just sharing about how I got involved with Jacob's Well. Um, so I was born in Korea. Our family moved to Montreal when I was eight years old. So I'm a child of an immigrant, and I um, was a pretty terrible Asian kid. Um, I studied the arts, which meant I partied a lot. So don't send your kids to art school. Um, that's just a joke. Send them to art school. It's great. <laughs> but um, in 2009, I decided to take a short break from, from work. I was a commercial photographer at the time, and I decided to travel to Asia for a little bit. Um, what was only meant to be a six-month uh, trip. I ended up staying in Seoul for five years. It was there that God called me into ministry, and um, like Pastor Lydia said, I definitely was one of those people that said I never want to be a missionary. So I don't. I think you got the wrong girl, um, and I resisted for a very long time. Um, but eventually, God led me to a small ministry in, uh, in Washington State called Tierra Nueva. It's in a small farm town in the valley. Um, and I minister there. I minister to women wrestling with addictions, um, mental illness, 
domestic violence, gang affiliation, and incarceration. I spent four life-changing years down there, and in 2017, I felt it was my time to move back, move back to Canada and pursue some more studies. Um, I also really needed a break from ministry as well. So when I moved up here, I um, started school, and I also worked um, part-time as a cook in a, in a fancy coffee shop, and it was really lovely. But in the meantime, I felt like the Lord was saying that that's a short-term plan. Um, and just around that time, I was invited by a friend to come worship in the downtown east side, um, where I had never been to. But my first trip there was pretty memorable. Um, I live in Point Grey, so I took the bus from there, and it took me through the beautiful bridge and downtown Vancouver, which again was my first time in three months. Go figure. Um, and then the bus turned the corner on Hastings, and it was a very different crowd uh, that walked up on the bus there. Um, driving past the intersection of Hastings and Maine, my, far, my heart felt in my gut, and I remembered the words of Matthew 9. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And having spent the last four years um, with more savory people, I felt very much at home in the downtown east side immediately, as opposed to West Point Grey or Regent College or the fancy coffee shop I worked at. Um, so at the end of the service, uh, Jacqueline, who now is my colleague, did a short presentation about Jacob's Well. And though I had heard about the organization, I had absolutely no intention in jumping back into ministry yet. But it was really lovely to hear her story of how she felt invited into the community. So I was officially curious, and it so happened, so happened, <laughs> that I had lunch that day with, um, with a board member of Jacob's Well. So long story short, I applied the following Monday I, um, with a really big question mark, whether I was ready for this or whether this was the right thing for me to do. Um, and I was interviewed that same Wednesday and was offered the job on Friday. So it's been a whirlwind for me since juggling school and ministry, and it's, but it's given me a new perspective and motivation for my studies. And I've really grown to love my brothers and sisters at the well. Um, so I don't know how, how many of you are familiar with the ministry, um, but just to fill you in a little bit, um, we're a small community in the downtown east side. And though we're not a drop-in center, per se, um, moving into the new location on Powell Street, um, we've had a slew of random people stop by whenever our space is open which gives it more of a drop-in center feel. Um, though Jacob's Well always welcomed the strangers, historically it was a gathering place for regular friends from the neighborhood uh, to come and hang out. They still come, those friends, those regular folks still come, obviously, but it's gotten a lot more chaotic at times um, with, with all the people that pass by, especially the, week, uh, the weeks prior to check week. Um, that's the the week when they get government checks. So the week prior to that, it's when people are scrambling to find resources and food and, and things like that. So it gets quite busy. 
in our space. We have something going on every day of the week, except Tuesday. Monday, we have games night, uh, where one of your members, Nicole, I don't know where she is, but she's involved in that um, every Monday. We, um, Wednesday night, we have our long-standing worship and Bible study night. Thursday is our community kitchen, when people come and uh, prepare the food together and eat together and help clean up. Friday is our coffee time and also our art time, and this is when we also do various chores around the space. Um, Jacob's Well has been around for a very long time. Um, as Yolanda mentioned, it was started by a woman named Pauline who simply just walked around the neighborhood and just prayed for people and just loved on, on, on them. And this was back in the late 70s. And in 2001, Pauline felt led by the Lord to pass on the legacy to Joyce and Don, who then opened our first storefront on Main Street. Thanks to these women, um, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, these 10 months spending time with my new friends and the random folks that stopped by asking questions and listening to their stories. And some of our friends, um, most of our friends are either in active addiction, struggles with some form of mental illness, and many of them still live on the street. They're in some way so different from me. They live differently than I do and have different ways of operating and have made different choices in life. But in some ways, we're not all that different. We all have the same intrinsic fears and desires, and I can't help but feel a deep sense of kinship with them. Um, so on that note, I'm going to just turn us to the passage from today, um, which is in John 4. And um, this is a, a very familiar passage, I believe, for most of you who have spent any amount of time in a church. Um, but it's a really good one uh, to, to read, especially in the series that you guys are in right now. Maybe. So I'm just going to read for us from the New Living Translation. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sikar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She, t- she said to Jesus, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus repl- replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir... You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? 
Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you, Jew, insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is, it is here in Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I'm just going to end right there. Um, So you may or may not know this, but this is an important and noteworthy passage for many reasons. But for one, this is Jesus' longest recorded conversation. And especially as a minority woman, this passage has always left me feeling really excited that he would engage in this way. This is also Jesus being a bit of a rebel. He's crossing boundaries that shouldn't be crossed for a man of his time. Talking to a woman alone, a Samaritan at that. Samaritans were simply considered heretics and unclean by Jews. They avoided contact with them. And it's reflected in the first words in verse, uh, in verse 9, where the woman says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And the narrator also emphasizes with the parenthesis where it says, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. I also find this passage interesting because it echoes a familiar Old Testament scene, also called the, betro- the betrothal type scene, where boy meets girl at a well. Remember, Isaac met Rebecca, Jacob met Rachel, Moses met Zipporah. It was a very hot spot for, for singles at the time. And I wonder if this was in any way intentional by the writer. So while I'm geeking out on this passage, let me also turn your attention to how there's a mirror encounter in the previous chapter with Nicodemus. So Nicodemus, he's, he's a man of socially and religiously respected status. He's a pillar of the community. 
We even know his name, Nicodemus. Uh, whereas this woman, we don't know her name. She's a Samaritan woman. And Nicodemus finds Jesus at night. Jesus finds the woman at noon in a very public, public space. And the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus quickly shifts into one of Jesus' monologues. And then Nicodemus fades away in the background. We have no idea how he responds to Jesus. Um, we, don't, we don't really know whether he responds at all, really. But in this, in this story, we hear a back and forth between the man and the woman, between Jesus and the woman. And the conclusion of this story, which is another big um, difference, is that um, the woman does something remarkable that Nicodemus did not do. She bears witness to Jesus. And as a, as a result, a whole village comes to faith. So again, I've not met Pauline personally. She passed away uh, a few years ago. But I wonder if this is the kind of life-changing encounter she desired for our community, a place for people to come and drink the living water and be transformed as a result. Again, I'm not quite sure, but the downtown east side um, is, is quite heavily churched. Um, there's a lot of Christian organizations in the neighborhood, and some of them preach the gospel um, every day. Some of them don't really, but some of them do. And I believe that even if there are lots of Christian organizations, Jacob's Well occupies something or, or does something very unique and different. We try to live it out with the people rather than preaching to them in conversations, in the back and forth, in the questions and answers, as we share food or coffee or, or work on a puzzle together. We try to bear witness to the gospel in the way that we are present with our friends. But if I can be as bold, I want to say that that's just not enough. I desire to see the kind of life-changing transformation this woman had within our community as well. The kind of transformation that made her forget the jar at the well and that made her run to the village to shout, come, come and see. Her faith is obviously young. She's a young Christian, if you want. Um, and her faith is tentative at, at, at best. But she's moved by the presence of Jesus. A presence that we all carry, by the way. And she's eager to share this news, wanting her friends to encounter him too. Her invitation is to come and see. And it's non-judgmental, it's non-threatening, it's honest, and people respond to that. This is why I firmly believe you can actually share your faith as tentative and full of questions as it may be, as immature as it may be. So wherever you are in faith, you too can bear witness to um, to people and do so effectively, especially if you have encountered Jesus in this way. And this doesn't have to be scary. Again, when when I first was called into ministry, I was terrified because I simply just imagined um, ministry meant like Mother Teresa style, holding sick babies in a in a dirt hut, which is really beautiful. But I didn't feel um, qualified to do that kind of work. Um, and I don't know about you, but sharing the gospel to your friends or colleague 
using the four spiritual laws, for example, is, is quite terrifying for me. And perhaps we all need to be challenged to do them regardless. But in my personal experience so far, people respond best through authentic interactions and relationships, something that's really lacking today, and especially in Vancouver, I think. Um, just the culture here um, is, is quite lonely. So again, I don't know who your Samaritan woman is right now. Maybe a colleague, an employee, an employer, maybe a neighbor, maybe it's a family member. And I wonder what kind of attempts you've made in sharing your faith with them. And if I maybe as bold, maybe have you tried to be simply kind to them? Have you in any ways maybe shamed them? Because Jesus, Jesus sure didn't do this in this passage. Even in the ways that he asks about her many previous husbands, he was kind and gentle. And what about doing or saying things without their, their invitation or permission? I'm definitely guilty of this, of giving unsolicited advice or try to share my faith in a way that's invasive sometimes. But when we look to Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't go to the village until he's invited by them. So these are just things to consider from this passage. And in some ways, this invitation is twofold for us at Jacob's Well. I desire to see our friends be transformed than for them to go tell their friends to come and see. I found a place where they accept me as I, as I am where they love me well and they treat me well and they're kind to me. But it's also um, why I'm here today visiting churches or um, doing workshops. We also tell other Christians, other people who are not regularly part of our community to come and see. God is doing beautiful things. He's changing lives and I'm changed too as a result. So this is not to say that it's all rosy and exciting and, and heavenly at Jake as well. To be honest, um, when I first read Pastor Gilbert's invitation email and how he wanted us to come share a message of exhortation, um, I, I gasped. <laughs> so I'm just going to be super honest with you and say that things have not been easy for our organization lately. We've had several key leaders and volunteers step down for various reasons. And this kind of transition is never easy for us as a staff, but especially for our friends. So I wondered and prayed, and I said, Jesus, what, what do you want me to share? How do you want me to, to bring a message of hope and exhortation in this difficult season? Um, I can fake it. That seems like a really good idea. I can do that. But his response was, the second passage um, that's, I think, in the back of your bulletin, found in 2 Corinthians, where God says to Paul, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I, Paul, am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So again, we don't know exactly what Paul was wrestling with in this passage, but this has been 
one of the most encouraging passages for me as a Christian because I so often feel inadequate and, and insecure and weak. And that's also exactly what Jesus was too at the well. That's also another encouraging piece. We read at the beginning of um, the John passage that Jesus was tired when he got to the well. But in his tiredness, he impacted somebody and a whole village as a result. So today I stand here and boast in the weakness of Chico's well. As much as we do good work in the neighborhood, we're extremely weak. Many have burnt out in the past because it's challenging to be there. We, don't, we not only have to hold our friends and try to be hospitable in our space, but the space itself is needy. Repairs need to be done. Cleaning needs to happen. We not only do our best to be present and cook nutritious meals and play games with our friends, but we also have to pay bills, deal with various appointments with pest control people, and run to the store to buy toilet paper. So this is me boasting and taking pleasure in our weaknesses in doing all of this, and doing it when things are hard and there's trouble. So my prayer in this season is for God's strength to be made perfect in the weakness, in our weakness. So would you join us in prayer for our little community? If you can do so every day, forever and ever, we'd be very grateful. But if you can even just commit to doing so this week or in the month of October, we would also be very grateful. We're um, also actively looking for male, specifically male volunteers to join our community because most of, our, uh, most of the people that come in are, are men, um, but the majority of our volunteers are women. So um, if you know of anyone, if you feel maybe excited about uh, what I just shared, um, please speak to me after the service. And... Um, we are also doing a workshop next weekend. I know you guys have a prayer meeting on Saturday, so maybe um, either you can do this or that, or, um, or you can just really pray for us on Saturday. <laughs> that works too. But um, it's a weekend workshop where we, um, we train the church, um, the Christians in, in the city, uh, to do better ministry at the margins and more specifically in the downtown east side. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> so I'd like to maybe just end this time in prayer and, um, yeah, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for, um, for your presence in this community and, Thank you so much, Dad. I just sense that this is a community that's already so active, God, in, in wanting to share um, with others. Come and see you are doing good things. And come and see here the, the living water, the bread of life. And I thank you so much for the heart of my brothers and sisters in desiring to do that. And God, we thank you so much again, too, for, um, for your presence that's always with us. Um, your presence that's so powerful. Your presence that changes hearts and changes lives. And I thank you that we carry 
that, each one of us. And so I just pray, God, that even this week, that we would just become more aware of your presence within us and that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear when you lead us into action. Um, And maybe even so in our weakness, God, when we're not feeling like we have the answers and we feel weak, um, we feel silly, maybe. But in, in, in those moments, God, especially in those moments, I pray that your strength will be made perfect in our weakness and that you would give us words to speak, um, that you would give us eyes to see the people the way you see them and that you would give us kind and gracious heart um, to interact with them. I just want to bless my friends here, my brothers and sisters. Just fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your presence. And fill, yeah, Jacob's well, too, with your presence, God, in in this season of transition. I pray that you bring the right people and you bring um, the right resources that we need. And you do all of that um, on earth as it is in heaven. So thank you, Father, for this time and We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.